Hey baby, we hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Hello, and welcome to a very special Valentine's episode of We're Not Listening, the Frasier Recap and Advice Podcast from And well, and for today, maybe even a personals. Oh, that's right. For <laughs> Valentine's Day, for our Valentine's Day spectacular, we will be doing Frage Head Personals for all of the Frage Heads out there to find love in the wasteland. Of and which that's... there's probably two. Uh, so I don't know if they work out. You know, the journey of a thousand miles begins with just the first step. So let's see what we can accomplish today I, on We're Not Listening. I would love to be um, Fraser Cupid, you know, with like my, my receding hairline kind and a of, diaper. Yeah, Kelsey Grammer in a diaper flying around. I think there's an episode where they dress up as Cupids. I feel like, I would, I feel like, like there's at least a Niles. As, I've seen the Niles as a Cupid at the very least. I definitely feel that like image is that. that image came into my mind's eye far too readily for it to. Yes. Have, I hope for it to have been imagined just by me. I know. I mean, if if not, then we're in the same collective consciousness, and that's pretty upsetting. So today we're going to be recapping the fourth episode entitled "I, I Hate Fraser Crane. Crane," and I. We'll say now, we have not yet reached the Cafe Latte score portion of the episode, but I will say, of the four that we've seen, this is the best so far. I was over the moon watching this episode. I, this episode had a lot of stuff for me to enjoy, and I loved it. Coming out the gate I won't disagree one. with you. I still love the sentimentality of the, the first one, but I, when I think back to like episodes that stick pretty well in my mind... This one, this, this is one, a good one. This one sticks. Well, it's also, you know, as an alternative media personality, as I am, I like to see the lamestream media take it on the chin, oh, which God. they really We're not do going in this here. episode. You've made far too many Frasier, memes this Frasier week. takes on to really big go journo. down this, this, this rant this early. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So how does this even get started? It starts off, and this gag pays off in a very nice way. I didn't I didn't expect it to, but it does. It starts off, Frazier's at the piano. He's playing the piano, and Eddie is staring at him. Eddie the dog is staring at Frazier playing the piano. And it, this is, you know, this is one of those things where irritable, cranky Frazier, he's being driven crazy just because the dog is looking at him. I would like to commend that Frazier is really playing the piano here. Yeah, Kelsey Grammer can really tickle the ivories pretty good. He's, you know, know, he's yeah. he's all right. <laughs> this is this is where we really get into the stuff that I love in this episode. And this comes back later in the series. This doesn't pay off in this episode, but Martin has got all his stuff out on his on the coffee table on the dining room table. He's trying to solve a cold case murder from back when he was on Seattle homicide. And you know, Seattle, uh, Martin's connections to the force come back in this episode, but it turns out you know, he was working on this really gruesome murder. A prostitute was dismembered and shoved in a bowling ball bag. And it's played for laughs on the show. It's quite I mean, because he, he also says something. He's like, you know, it relaxes me. Um, the murderer is called the Weeping Lotus Killer, which oh. I also really like. Well, anyway, uh, I would like to, I'm going to say something problematic, um, which, you know... I feel like if anyone's going to say something problematic on this podcast, it's usually going to be you. Mm -hmm. uh, but I wish I, I kind of wish that I have done sex work so that I could reclaim the word hooker again. I really miss hearing the word hooker. 
and Martin Crane says the word hooker like three times in this episode. Yeah, because Martin Crane is a hardened homicide detective <laughs> from a time before that kind of person would have to go to a seminar and learn to say sex, sex worker. worker. Yeah, but it's such a good word. And, you know, like the same way that I feel like feminists have been able to reclaim the C word, of which I won't say, because maybe we're trying to keep a clean show. Mm -hmm. I I feel like the word hooker is great. And I know it's problematic, but I love the word. Well, I'd like to say, as a recreational sport angler, that I'm kind of (laughs) glad that now, you know, we're the only hookers out there, okay? And we don't have these ladies of the evening tarnishing the impression of our sport. Oh, competing. competing I'm just saying, you know, there's hookers and there's hookers. And some of us are after, you know, Johns and Tricks. And some of us are after Lunker Largemouth Bass on Southern California's many alpine lakes. Yeah. Either way, it's something fishy smelling. (laughs) 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 I'm going to be the problematic one this episode. Okay, well, I'll, I'll give you a run for your money. Okay. All right, so basically from there, um, I think Niles shows up. Niles shows up, and he was supposed to come with Maris, but Maris can't come over because she's had a difficult conversation with a telephone operator. So this is just more of the kind of cartoonish anti-Maris propaganda that Frazier is shoving down our throats here. Yeah, I, you know, I honestly, the more and more that I've been thinking about the show seriously, the more that I feel, and you know, whatever you want to say, oh, Nick, he's a problematic guy, but I'm out here and I, I want to have sympathy for Maris and the show kind of tries, you know, cuts your hamstrings at every opportunity to feel sympathy for Maris. Yeah. I mean, I also could like go even deeper with this ideology and say that Maris is simply a delusion of Niles's imagination. Oh, it's like Psycho. She's like his mother in Psycho. Yeah, and it's just his repressed sexuality in the show. Oh, wow, that's deep. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm, I groove to that theory. Yeah, right. I, that it's theory like the, moves It's like me. the Grease theory, where they die in the car accident, and it's all just like an illusion. Oh, wow. I've never heard that one either. <laughs> no, really? The Grease. Oh, wow. <laughs> Grease is like Jacob's Ladder? Yeah, and like oh when they God. like fly off on the car, that that's all just like Them delusion. going to heaven? That's like them going to the light? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Blowing well, we're some minds to today. A, we're off to a start here. Yeah, blowing my mind here on the program. All right, so anyway, they sit down and have dinner, and this is, you know, Martin insists that Daphne eat with them because there's an extra place setting because Maris didn't come, and, you know, Niles is over the moon. Of course. But then before they start eating, and this is a classic Martin moment that I love. And this episode is really, I feel like Martin shines in this episode because he makes them stop and say grace before they eat dinner, which is like, I feel like this was at the very tail end of the time when you could put that on TV, where it'd be like, oh, dad says grace, but we're yuppies, so we don't. You know, now it'd be like, if someone, if someone stopped, if you showed someone on TV stopping you from eating to say grace, you know, I think it would be played in a lot more cruel-hearted way now. Okay, so I can speak to this. Lay it on me. Um, I uh, watched The Bachelor, which is now becoming a problematic show day by day, more and more just, like, bad. But the first night that the new Bachelor, like, welcomed all the new women to the house, he made them all 
bow their heads and do a prayer. Amazing. People he didn't know, people of many faiths, just like right out of the gate, we're going to do a prayer. Okay, but, you know, to play devil's advocate here, suppose, you know, you're the bachelor, right? You're this guy who who asked the girls to do this. And I don't watch the program. I don't watch the show. But, uh, you know, you're looking to marry one of these women, you know, to create a, a covenant unto that woman, much like the church is the mystical bride of Christ. Why would you, right away, you would know, you could spot the people who were not comfortable praying, and you would know that they were not candidates. You no, know, they weren't I mean, serious. I agree. Yeah. It's definitely a way to, like, test. Thin the herd. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, weed them out. I feel like I used to do a similar thing where I would, like, make all of my dates watch... Um, El Topo or Holy Mountain, but that just made me have really terrible taste in men. Yeah, <laughs> you know, whatever. See, I'm a I'm a Jodorowsky fan. I like Jodorowsky, but I, I like Jodorowsky in college. I thought Jodorowsky was deep in college. Yeah, same yeah. here. And then you're like, oh, maybe maybe not great. Actually, maybe maybe, maybe I don't need. Maybe we shouldn't a... have to look right into this guy's anus for this tarot card movie. <laughs> Welcome to the new Jodorowsky podcast. <laughs> oh, don't tempt we're ta- me. We're I talking would. about everything except Frasier this week on <laughs> We're Not Listening. It's all no holds barred except for Frasier. All right. So basically, I feel like that is a good, a good like power play move to make people pray when they don't want to. It's it's not a power play. I mean, if you believe, then you should. If you believe, then you should. And it's, you know, and this is where I respect and admire Martin Crane, the real hero of this show. Brave, tireless homicide detective. Even after he retires, he's trying to, you know, solve this weeping lotus case. And he's trying to raise up his boys right, even though, you know, other men might think it's too late for Frazier and Niles. I feel like my grandparents have done this move on me as the black sheep of the family. Maybe it's not too late for you. It's too late. So Niles kind of ruins the the dinner m- mood by showing him an article. Yes, we discover that there is a newspaper columnist out there in Seattle who hates Fraser Crane. And, and Niles is loving it. Niles, who's so jealous and bitter and spiteful of, of Fraser's success, you know, he's got this article ready to go and he's highlighted the line in the article, or it's a column. This guy's like kind of does one of those musings columns that you, they used to have in more local papers. But he's highlighted the line, I hate Fraser Crane. And then we go to the next radio scene, and Fraser is... Well, first there's a caller... Who, oh, that's right. ...who basically keeps on getting off the phone with Fraser to, to talk to other people on her other line. Yeah, she keeps putting him on hold. I didn't get how this was meant to be thematically, you know... I don't think it's thematic. I think it was just a way for him to reach his breaking point really quickly. Yeah, to show Frazier's already kind of pushing the edge. But I do have something in my notes about this scene, which is that I took a lot of heat in the first episode of the show for saying that Roz is not a good producer. And in this scene, Frazier has a terrible caller on the air with him, right? It's Roz's job to screen the callers so that only, you know, entertaining stuff will be on the show. She's in the booth reading a book and not paying attention. Frazier talks to her 
And she, you know, she doesn't know what's going on in Maybe the show. Maybe if Frasier had given Roz the respect that she deserves, she'd be a better producer. Uh, no, Roz has a couple bad producing moments in this show, and they they come up. And I now I see them because I, you know, maybe I'm def- maybe I'm defensive about you know I feel like my valid criticism of Roz as a producer. You know, we're an all not perfect people all the time. No, nobody's nobody's perfect, even I would say, <laughs> but. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I just want to put it out there that, you know, I'm not just making this up. You know, Raz is asleep at the switch in this scene. Yeah. And I mean, there's something to say about, you know, she's Co- coasting. She's coasting. Because, um, you know, Frasier's sort of a windbag. I suppose. But, you know, Frasier's show is a big deal. It gets some restora- uh, restaurant reservations. It gets some, you know. Gets restaurant the- reservations that get canceled. That's true. It, well, it's not television. And high criticism in in the publication. In the publication, because Frazier then goes off on the Derek Mann newspaper. Derek Mann is the name of this columnist. And Frazier, I love this scene. Frazier gets into it. He like gets in his groove taking down this column. And he like takes the microphone out of the stand and starts pacing around the studio and like really you know, using like classical allusions to rip into this Derek man and just saying that his column is trash and it, Frazier is the best. And I want to make a comment on that mic. Like that mic isn't like a mic like that you like walk it's around not, with. No, you really shouldn't pick up that kind of <laughs> microphone. And uh, he says something about like how he hopes that he, he will be hopes joined. that the guy dies. Yeah. <laughs> he goes on the radio and says, I wish that he dies. I mean, you know, in, in fancy a poetic Frazier way, language, yeah. but still. And then he like, he he like he holds a microphone like a old west revolver blows the smoke off the muzzle and like twirls it around and sticks it in his pocket like a holster like Frazier yeah, is like yeah going off radio gunslinger <laughs> which you know again you know when you're live you can get that kind of feeling sometimes i think that like why derek mann's article is so funny is it's because it's just a sentence it's just one it's yeah it's amusing yeah, His and like how can that... is just a list of musings, and that's just one of them. And then Frazier makes it about him, and then that's where that's where this goes to. That's where it goes off. So we meet again in Cafe Nervoso. That's the next scene, and it turns out that Derek Mann has responded to Frazier's, you know, criticism of him with a column dedicated entirely to eviscerating the Frazier show. And I will say that he does specifically also mention Roz, just to throw that in there. And he calls her a ditzy call screener sidekick. Yeah. Yeah. And at first, uh, Niles does not recollect Roz. Like, he does not remember Roz, even though they've met a couple of times. Yes. And And I hate to say that I related to that. I have done that many times. I think there's plenty of people out there who hate my guts because I I too do that. But I have not remembered meeting them five or six times. You got to be more special. Okay, well that's Molly talking. <laughs> this is this is Nick here saying that I respect your humanity. <laughs> Namaste, I salute the god in you. I, I I have a really hard time with names, but I usually well, yeah remember, backpedal now, Molly. I, that's fine. Yeah, just well I'm about to <laughs> throw go throw it in reverse. I'm that's about okay. to go into ceramics, and I always forget people's names there. <laughs> <laughs> Not that any of them would listen to my podcast, but um, like I, I've I've definitely done the 
the like I have no recollection of ever meeting them and I've met them like four times happens to me oh i mean i wish that would happen to me i would love to go to a party and not i'm definitely the next time i go to a party if and when we ever go to parties again i'm gonna go i'm not gonna n- remember anybody there i'm it's gonna blame covid like, i'm gonna be like oh my oh, brain well, my, my brain, brain is totally so, good so much brain fun. well it is though i mean after you know some of these people you recognize them because you see them at different stuff all the time and you don't you know know about them or care about their life but you you see their faces and then, you know, after a year, how am I supposed to keep track of all these freaking people? It's really kind of a sociopathic observation of mine, but sometimes they're people that are so boring, I just call them um, non-playable characters in my brain. Oh, my God. Molly, you can't get into this. <laughs> Molly, you think, I'm too, you think I've gone too 4chan for the show. You can't call people NPCs. That's like a legit incel thing. <laughs> No, but it's like I've met like the same version of like boring art person so many times that I'm just like they're gonna talk about the same dumb painting over and over again. You guys can't see this, but Molly has taken her microphone out of the stand. <laughs> she's and she's pacing around my kitchen right now. She's about to light you all up. Oh yeah, man. There's just so many boring painters in LA. I'm sorry, I can't I can't keep track. Or just like social practice artists that go nowhere but i am a social practice person that goes nowhere so it's fine Mm. but yeah like so then i guess we should go back to the to the story so then we're back at the radio station and of course even though fraser has promised to not react he's going off he's losing it he's going hard again on Derek mann and this is a funny gag Roz says they have someone on hold who has a problem with delayed gratification and Frazier says he's just gonna have to wait <laughs> and Frazier you know he goes hard and then he says you know I'm leaving bodies in my wake today on their on the air which I think is so wild and this is I want to I want to mention this because we've been talking about it now this is in my opinion another instance where Roz the producer of the show really should have given Frazier a little bit of a warning because he goes to a caller and it's Derek Mann calling in to the show to, you know, give Frazier a piece of his freaking mind. Well, I feel like that's what makes Rouse a great producer is making magic happen. Letting the he's letting the magic of live radio play trolls, out. Trolls out. Uh, you know, you got, I think you got to give him a heads up if it's going to be the guy. She's in there reading a book. She doesn't know. Frazier's taking his own calls and they haven't been screened. That's dangerous on live radio. You could have people calling in to say all sorts of wild stuff. That's true. As I do on my show. Yeah, I've heard you go off before. But the callers are worse than me. Yeah, the, the impressions are bad sometimes. Uh, well, that's part of the charm, I think. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. It's not about I hate Nick's show. This is about <laughs> I hate Frazier Crane. Uh, so the- I, Oh, the... Derek Mann, by the way, this is, I think, the first celebrity caller that we've had on, on Frasier. It's Joe Mantegna. I don't know how much of a celebrity Joe Mantegna was at the time. He was in some big movies, but now he's, you know... Everybody's from, favorite hot dad. He's from Criminal Minds. He's like Ray Romano, but like he could kill you. That's Joe Mantegna. Ray, Ray Romano, but like not just reprehensible. Like, listen, I'm allowed to say that we all look alike. Okay. I, I mean, I am also like. Well, a, you don't have an Italian last name. No. No. But it could have been Caserta. Anyway. Anyway, they do all look alike, and 
Ray Romano looks like Joe Mantegna. That's all I'm going to say. They do? They do. Joe Mantegna just looks like he could kill you. That's the only difference. Yeah, Ray Romano is just like so dorky. Ray Romano is like soft and Mantegna is hard. Yeah. Hard as F. (laughs) I will say. Hard as F. Squirrely. (laughs) Anyway, Mantegna challenges him to a fist fight live on the radio and he calls Frazier out with a, you know, a classic schoolyard chicken taunt. He hits him with the and Frazier buys it. He says he's going to fight him and they lay out their plan. But anyway, then we go. Now we go back to the house. We go back to Frazier's condominium in the sky and Martin is showing Daphne the crime scene photos again. And this is when her psychic powers kick in. Yeah, yeah. I, I love I feel like later on in the season, they kind of diminish Daphne's psychic ability. Yeah. Well, probably it's a gag I love. It, I like it. It plays well with you and me, but probably test audiences back then, you know, would have said it made the show a little confused. You know, it's kind of like what, you know, when you start off a series, you can kind of keep some possibilities open and see what the audience responds to. And they probably were not uh, grokking the psychic angle as much as, you know, I do today. Yeah. I wish it, I wish it went more in the direction of Martin and Daphne solving murders with her psychic powers. Yeah, and so she like starts to like That's the spin pick, off. pick up some uh some clues just looking at these uh photos. Her name was Helen. <laughs> she had a lot of men in her life. Yeah, she is a hooker. She was a- <laughs> <laughs> but then Daphne starts seeing the murderer describing this dark man walking down a hallway in detail. And right as she reaches a crescendo of her description, in walks Frasier, matching her description perfectly. Hilarious. So good. Hilarious. And then she goes, oh, no, me, me signals were crossed. Another Alice uh, impression. <laughs> All right. Well, Martin, in this scene, this is where Martin begins to shine, in my mind, because Martin wants Frasier to do this fight. And he's proud of Frasier. Fra- His son, is, you know, has been through medical school, has a PhD, is a member of the American Psychiatric Association. But, you know, Martin is proud that Frazier's going to get into this fist fight. He's like a bully, tried to take you down, and you stood up to him. And we find out that Frazier actually has no intention of going through with the, fr- with the fight. He's just trying to look tough on the radio. Yeah. Lame. I mean, would you fight somebody if you were challenged on the radio? If I No, I wouldn't accept the fight. But if you accept the fight, you have to do it. Right. How would you defend yourself in this situation? How would I defend myself if I had to fight Joe Mantegna? Yeah. Or what would you say if he was berating you on your own show? On my own show? I would... Okay, I would have a different producer who would know not to put me on live with Mantania. But you don't have a much better producer. I don't. No, I don't. But So I'm, if you were on, what would you do? Would you fight Joe Mantania? I would have hung up on the guy way before that. Okay. Would you have gone off at the same level? Absolutely. Okay. I would have well, called. I would have, you know, I would have said all that bad stuff about his newspaper column. And then click. If he called in and was trying to start a ruckus on my program, yeah, I'd hang up on him. All right. Well. But if I were in Fraser's position, I can't look at you either. <laughs> okay. So, basically, Martin is ashamed of Fraser. Yes, Martin is ashamed of Fraser. He says, I can't even look at you. And then this is where the joke with Eddie in the first scene pays off because now Eddie can't even look at Frazier after he was staring at him so annoyingly the whole time. And we get a great insert, a very cute insert of Eddie looking away. Eddie's such a good dog actor. 
um, because he's under underplayed dog actor. You get all these collies that always want all this attention on them. Eddie just sits there patiently. Yeah. Well, this is also the first, I think they went through three Eddies. So we'll have to kind of keep track of the differences between the different Eddies over the years. Yeah. But do they go to Cafe Nervosa next? Well, yes. After that, you know, they go to Cafe Nervosa. And I want to talk about this because this is like something that really doesn't exist and only exists in 90s sitcoms where the, you know, the coffee shop that all the characters go to is like the town square in the olden days. And so this is where they meet before they're going to have the big fight. And it's like everybody who's interested in the fight where a huge crowd is forming for this Frasier Derek Mann fight of fisticuffs between two Seattle local celebrities is becoming a, you know, a commotion, yeah. a spectacle. And I love all the little jabs at Frasier from almost every single person. Like at one point in time, Roz is like, well, how are you feeling about the fight? And Frasier's like, I, I think I'm going to do okay. And then she says, uh, your shoes are untied. And Frasier checks them. And she goes, you're not going to do Oh, okay. yeah. And <laughs> Daphne comes in. She's seen. A, she's had a vision of Frasier getting his teeth kicked in. You know, it's it's getting pretty ugly. Yeah. And it's, you know, but to Frasier's credit, he's ready to go out there. And, and what a weird outfit to wear for a fight. Well, he's just wearing his regular clothes. He takes his tie off. He takes his jacket off. He rolls his sleeves up. I think, I think, you know, uh, Kelsey Grammer got in shape over the course of making Frasier. So in this yeah. first season, he's not, he's not what you'd call in fighting shape. No, but... I think later seasons, Frasier could take Joe Mantegna. Season oh, yeah. one, Frasier, no, no no way. Well, I also think that cutting his hair helps him out a little bit, too. Well, you know, it makes him look meaner, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, he's he's not, he does not have a good... Skinhead Frasier. <laughs> wearing, like, a oh, bomber jacket. Uh, Fred Perry polo. Kicking uh, your teeth in in the London tube. Yeah, Republican uh, Kelsey Grammer could definitely beat up Joe, <laughs> Joe Mantegna. Joe Mantegna's a Republican, too. Well... Almost certainly. You think? I'd, I don't know. Maybe if we got Joe Mantegna on the phone with this show, you know, he would be very blue. But my impression of him is that he is... Uh, I feel like he would be rough. a Republican and then one of his daughters would because, need to get an abortion well, and then it would you know, switch, switch the game. It's because he's Italian. Yeah. That's why I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, when Italian men reach a certain age... Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. I don't want to look forward to that, Nick. Um, let's see. Oh, another thing that I thought was funny. Right. Look forward. Right. God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) Well, and then, uh, so the last, I guess, jab at Frasier not doing well in this fight was pretty funny. They're talking about like a mariachi band that has been hired to play while they fight. Oh, and yeah, Niles wants them to play a summer barbecue. Yeah, and I like it. And they have the mariachi band. This is something, you know, they well, play no. Cielito Lindo, which is kind of the go-to mariachi song. But, you know, I wish they would have gone for maybe a deeper cut. Yeah, well, I just thought it was funny that Roz says, um, I'm going to be into the left side, so be sure to throw an ear in my direction. Oh, she references the Tyson-Holyfield fight where Mike Tyson bit Evander Holyfield's ear off. That's kind of a good 90s reference. I feel like there was a, there was even a gag in The Simpsons about that. That ear-biting thing really became a, 
kind of a proto meme, yeah, you could say. You know, like Ozzy Osbourne has the bat bite, bat head. Yeah. yeah. And so we we uh, kind of are placed in a very um, play like cinematic universe. Oh yeah. Well, it's it conforms to. Uh, the laws of Greek drama in a sense because we don't see anything happen we just have people come in from off stage and tell us what's happened and what's happened is that the police have somehow heard about the fight and have come to broke, uh, break it up before it even starts and yeah Fraser comes back into Cafe Nervosa and he's still amped well he feels great because he faced his fear and he didn't get his teeth kicked in that's a big win yeah that's a big win And, you know, suddenly it's, you know, you think I could have taken him, Uh, uh, which, you know, no. Uh, But he's still amped on that on that uh, little adrenaline on that little adrenaline high. And then we find out that Martin has used his connections on the police force to have the police intervene just in time to allow Frazier to redeem his pride but also not suffer a beating. So really, Martin Crane has been pulling the strings on this whole episode and it's one to redeem himself in the eyes of his fellow lawmen because we find out that Frazier had chickened out on a fight in fifth grade and Martin had lost the esteem of his buddies on the force because his son was a wuss clarinet player oh that's right yes they they tease him because his son skipped a fight for a clarinet lesson then at the end Martin has arranged it so that his buddies on the force will see that his son who was a coward in fifth grade is now able to face his fears as a, you know, 40 something year old man. And then the guy that he, you know, has bribed to intervene in the situation doesn't even know what he's talking about because he wasn't on the force at the same time as Martin Crane anyway. Yeah. And I thought that was nice. Yeah. That kind of, that sort of ends the episode feel, on a weird little note. I feel like uh, Martin's a big softy sometimes, which I really appreciate. You know, when you're a hard man, a homicide detective, <laughs> For example, <laughs> or you know, uh, Fraser recap podcast. <laughs> um, you know, when you're a tough guy in a tough line of work like that, you know, you have to keep that softer side because you have to yeah, know what you're you know, fighting for. You know, if you don't preserve that kernel of humanity, you turn into uh, Woody Harrelson and True Detective, or not Woody Harrelson, the other one. You turn into Matthew McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey and True Detective. Yeah, you know, you have to have those beliefs to, to you know, protect. Yes, and that's why Martin makes them say grace in the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Because he's showing them, you know... A belief system. I mean, this system. episode could have been written by Jordan Peterson. This is, <laughs> this is an episode about, you know, men who have had their hearts and courage destroyed by post-modernity. They get in touch <laughs> with the, the Senex archetype. Oh, no. Oh, sorry. I mean, you know, <laughs> Niles Crane is a Jungian analyst. We can't talk about Jungian analysis on the show. They get in touch with this image of, you know, American masculinity from when, you know, men were men in oh, the form man. of their father. God. And they, you know, they toughen up. And the show doesn't play it straight to its credit. This is kind of, you know. They, well, it's they, also ping ponged because sometimes Martin will do something that's way wrong. And we haven't really hit one of those moments No, we yet. haven't hit an evil Martin episode yet. But, but we will. But I, you know, I don't know. I stand evil Martin. <sighs> That's basically the end of the episode. That's the whole episode. Okay. 
out of 10 cafe lattes, your cafe latte score for this episode, what do you think? Cafe latte per piacere. Uh, eight. Eight cafe lattes. I say the same. Whoa, Whoa. what? A rare agreement, but I would give this eight. Yeah, because I like it, well. but I'm um, and it's close to my heart. But I feel like I really like the episodes that do have um, two stories that yeah. are going on. This one really is the only one so far that's had anything like a B story, and even the B story in this doesn't go very far. I was thinking about it, and I think that kind of the form of the sitcom has evolved. So back in the early '90s, you know, they would just go 22 minutes on one story, and they would have. 26 episodes in a season now you have 10 or 13 episodes in a season so you have to cram every as much as possible into each episode and this you know in the old days i guess they just kind of took a more leisurely pace with it well i think they also are trying to figure out their stride they're trying to hit their stride and they're trying to save money because they really try to minimize the number of new sets that they have to go to so it was a big deal in the Timber Mill episode that we got a Timber Mill restaurant set, but they don't even do like a street set to show the fight. So I think they're kind of saving money with that too. Yeah. And like the whole B story just takes place around Fraser's kitchen table. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm not paying attention because I'm trying to be a good producer and get us some content for. All right. Let's after. move on to the advice portion of the program. Uh, do we have a caller? We don't have any callers. We this have week. some stuff in the mailbag. We do. Okay, so we'll be reading those for you. Do you want to do advice first and then personals, or personals and then advice? Yeah, let's do advice first. Okay, so you have something and I have something. Why don't you read yours, Molly? Okay, let me get it. This one's kind of come in from an anonymous source because they're shy. And the question is sort of a shy person question. Okay. How do I stay away from being self-conscious forever? Never again self-conscious. How do I stay away from being self-conscious forever? That's the whole that's the whole question. Yeah. I guess the answer is to think really hard about it, how self-conscious you're being <laughs> and how everyone can tell that you're acting weird all the time, you know, all the little stuff on your, you probably don't have a very good poker face if you're worrying about this. So every little thought that comes into your mind, people can probably read it on your face just like the freaking newspaper. So I'd, you know. Yeah. I'd kind of get a grip on that. Establishing a poker face? Well, you know, just, I don't know. Maybe you should kind of move somewhere without as many people around. Right. Yeah, and that way it wouldn't be as much of a problem. Or stop doing drugs. Oh, you think it's a... Do you know who this is? Is it a drug person? Can you say? Is it a doper? It might be Are a Are they doper. on goofballs? I don't know. <laughs> but I will say that sometimes when people... Martin are, Martin Crane, Seattle Narcotics Squad. That's why it's an anonymous tip. You <laughs> He's know? got goofballs on him. Yeah, smoking the, the, the MJ might make you a little paranoid. Oh, yeah. Quit, uh, quit drugs. <laughs> here we go. All right, I've got a letter here in the mailbag. I'd like to read for you guys. And this is from someone that we know, uh, but they've asked not to be identified on the show. So let's please try to respect I feel like this whole episode, a lot of anonymous tips. Yeah. That's how I like to spend my Valentine's Day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In my trench coat, you know, in the park. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Dear, we are not listening. I'm very lucky to have been able to find a quarantine cutie to spend my time with over the last few months. The only issue 
is that when we started going out, she told me she was very into BDSM. Ooh. Yeah, right? Yeah, this is, you know, this is the kind of stuff people listen to on podcasts. I've been with plenty of girls over the years, and you could even say I was kind of a stud back in my days at UT. And in parentheses, he's got hook em horns. UTI, yeah. (laughs) Hook em uteruses. Amazing. Well, the shape, you know, the ovaries, that's like the horns. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of a stud back in my days at UT, but that was new for me, and I was excited to give it a try. She would have me doing burpees, planking, wall sits and push-ups even with her sitting on my back sometimes because the worst type of bdsm uh, well because she claimed to love watching men push to their physical and mental limits while they submitted to her hot right well after a few months of this i have just found out that before they closed the gyms she was a personal trainer and she was just trying to get me to get in shape because she didn't enjoy having sex with me when we met Hmm. Should I be offended? I mean, I feel like I would be offended just because I don't want to get into a CrossFit culture against my will, you know? But I guess CrossFitters are way into boxes, you know? And that's kind of hot. I mean, CrossFitters jump up and down off and onto boxes. big plywood boxes. <laughs> they don't put each other in little plywood boxes. Oh, not like boxing Helena? No, okay. they like jump. Well. They, You know, it's to get this, it's to harness the science of plyometrics to use muscle confusion to help build your calves. So you have to jump up onto these big boxes. For those of you listening at home who've never met me, I, I'm in incredible shape. I'm absolutely <laughs> yoked. And I could... It's, is it I, all because of CrossFit? Honestly, I could fight Joe Mantegna. And I would beat him up. I'd beat him up good. But I won't because of my sincere belief in nonviolence. Just to clarify my remarks earlier in the program. Well, I also feel like... I'm covered in huge, ropey muscles. I, like, the CrossFit people and the vegan people have a very similar cult brain thing that is kind of They'll scary. usually tell you about it, but apparently this woman was able to keep it secret for months. I'm kind of curious how they were able to get into this relationship without him knowing that she was working as a trainer before the pandemic. And I mean, like, I don't know. I feel like if, I she, guess it's if also, she has built the man that she has wanted, then I kind of feel like, you know. She deserves it. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So I guess you're stuck with her. Yeah. That's our advice here yeah, on We're you know, Not Listening. Yeah, he, I mean, she did a good job, right? Are you happy? I, I don't know. I guess that's really what it comes down to. I mean, if you're feeling the improvement in your in your body, in your core strength, in your quads, your hammies, your traps, your delts. You, you know, can't be offended by how other people are going to fetishize you. No, I mean... If it works. Yeah, you probably suspected something, right? I mean... Well, you know, whatever. Yeah, you should stick with her. Yeah, stick with and, her. And Happy Valentine's bad, Day. Stay together. If it's bad, you can always ditch her for a different gym. Bun. Yeah, well, you can ditch her after the pandemic when you're yoked. Yeah. Oh, so you got kind of a you're in position to leapfrog here. Honestly, I, I'd. Uh... And I'm sure they're getting really good at those. <laughs> <laughs> What's the thing? It's like some kind of laughing yoga thing where they sit in the lotus pose and then they laugh really loud and they like 
are able to like spring off their legs in the lotus position and they like hop across the room in the lotus that's position that's literally all really i've been loud. doing during the pandemic that's your pandemic fitness routine yeah just hysteria the laughing flying lotus um, weeping lotus murderer oh, oh my no god. <laughs> all right let's get into the personals ads okay. here on we're not listening let's make a love connection on the podcast people and i think we're gonna do pretty well because there's only two entries okay so and it's they're compatible yeah uh, well i don't know if well, they're compatible well, but i'm gonna keep their name secret because i feel like i want to have to introduce them by having them reach out to we're not listening podcast at gmail.com or the Instagram account uh, at not listening podcast Wait. at not listening podcast where if you want to see some truly demented Frasier memes from the darkest parts of my mind you should yeah you should cruise on by or just like the kind of cute ones from my mind um, yeah or those hey whoa <laughs> gosh um, so hi I'm I'm 29 and I enjoy drinking in bars and writing lengthy emails to my ex, looking for someone to explore the great outdoors with who is passionate about living alternative lifestyles. And this is from a man seeking a woman. Okay. As far well, as this I know. Is, I'm sure this guy has a <laughs> lot of great qualities. Uh, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure the one for you is out there, but. Okay, and this one I swear isn't me, even though I, too, am 31 years old and a woman. 31-year-old um, Roz type seeks Island Niles to call her own, loves unions, telling stories about her rural upbringing and or sexual past, and voluminous hairstyles, has guest robes on hand. Guest robes on hand. Well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Uh, this first guy... You know, it doesn't sound like if I were the second lady, I would go out with them. I mean, he doesn't she say, he wants doesn't to talk have... about her sexual past, and he can't let go of his sexual past. I kind of oh, think Oh, yeah, there what might a great be... combination. Yeah, they're both being checked out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, you know, listen, if, you, if you're listening to this podcast, both of you, first off, to the man, you know, I apologize. We don't have to have a fight over this. Uh, but... Uh, at least there's a level of honesty there. I guess, but that's not honesty. That's like what they call manic disclosure. Like if you go on right. a date with someone and you start saying all your horrible family secrets or whatever, you know, because you're nervous, you know, that's not honesty. That's mania. That's that's not good. Honesty. Yeah, and you know, I <laughs> listen. I've been on both sides of that one. Same so, here. Whoops. Yeah. But whatever. Happy Valentine's yeah. Day. Yeah. Listen to my podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, don't. Happy Valentine's, <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, Day to us. Yeah, we're not listening. Do we have a sign out this this week? No, I think the show's I think the show's just over. I think it's time to get a little Valentine's Day mimosa alone situation <laughs> going we'll here in the We're Not that. Listening studio. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.